0: This morning I want to talk to you about a, a, something that's interesting really as you talk about the Bible and who we are today as believers, and th- that's the question of, really a basic question of a believer, but a question I think that it needs, it's worth examining every now and then, and maybe it's helpful for us, especially now in our context of our world. Our, you know how sometimes words change meaning what I mean by that is that sometimes over time, the way that one word is used in our language, it might get a different emphasis and be used in a different way. It might mean something different than it did uh, several years ago. And that's because our language is evolving with our culture and our language changes as we change and it changes according to our uh, societal standards and life. And one of those terms that is really important to understand and really is a basic of our Christian faith that really we need to explore and understand maybe a little better often. And that is just the simple question of what is a Christian? What is a Christian? When We have a world where there is a fluidity of terms and we live in a world where there are labels for everything and there is a, we live in a world now where anybody and everybody's a Christian just because they say so or because they uh, go to church or because they maybe go to a Christmas service once a year. But really, as you're going to understand here today, as we look at the Bible, that a Christian is a lot deeper and a lot fuller meaning than that. And you're going to see for the early believers, a Christian wasn't a label that they, cared, that they even cared about having upon their own lives. It was something that marked the, the way that things were happening in their community of life. It was the way that God was at work in the lives of the believers that brought about the name of a Christian. And what's interesting is that we are going to see here today that the word Christian is actually only used three times in the New Testament depending on the translation, but for the most part, it's only used for about three times in the New Testament. And you think that's what we're all called here today. We're all called Christians, and, but it's only used three times. Because Christian was a new term for the New Testament. It was a new term for the early believers. It wasn't something that had preexisted before, but it came about after Jesus had departed and after people began to follow and serve the Lord, the term Christian came about. And so this morning, I just want to take you kind of on a journey a little bit to explore what it means to be a Christian and what is a Christian according to how the Bible paints a Christian. And we're going to look at these three usages of the word Christian, but then we're going to go in a little bit deeper and and fully explain and unpack what that means. But just a few ways this morning that we see what is a Christian, it all started in Acts chapter 11. And it all started with this community of believers that was in this city called Antioch. And Antioch was a place that God was at work in Antioch. And this is an important thing for us to remember, that God was doing great and mighty things in the city of Antioch. Wonderful things were happening. And it's amazing the way that it happened. Someone went and preached the gospel to these Hellenists, the Bible says, those who were were not Jews, and they heard the gospel, and their lives were transformed and changed. And the first reason that they even got to Uh, The gospel even got to Antioch was because of the persecution that was happening on the church. And the Bible says that when this persecution came about on the church, all of the believers, they were scattered all over the place. And this was one of the places that they had been scattered. But the scattering was a good thing because it led about to a transformative community that we're about to see here. And the Bible marks that this community of believers in Antioch the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number of them became believers in the Lord and this community just continued to grow and grow and grow and it's later believed that Antioch became a missional platform that this was a place that people began to be sent out from in this place in Antioch to continue to preach the gospel And it's just a simple verse here in Acts chapter 11 that says this in verse 26 that he so it was for an entire year that they met with the church and taught a great many people and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. So we see here in this community of believers that in Antioch they were first called Christians. And why were they first called Christians in Antioch? Some have commentated and some have believed that they were called Christians as a derogatory term to make fun of them. They're the the little followers of Jesus in a way to belittle them. But really, it was a way of marking, and the Bible shows us here, they were first called Christians, and we see it in the evidence of Scripture that they were first called Christians because of the way things were happening in Antioch. So many people were coming to the Lord. The gospel had been proclaimed, and now there was this scattered community of believers, and people were trying to figure out a way to refer to them in this community, so they got the term Christian, Christian. So the first thing that marked what is a Christian as we see in the Bible, it was a transformative community. This was different from the way things were in, in, in Rome and the way things were happening around the world. Was Here was a group of people who were going about their lives as normal, but they heard the gospel. They surrendered their lives and their lives were completely transformed. So that's important to remember. The first thing that we see in the Bible is that they were a transformative community. The second thing we're going to see here happens in another unusual place. And all of this I'm just kind of giving you to hold on to for a few minutes. The other one happened in Acts chapter 26 when Paul is in chains and he's being taken from place to place. And here he is brought before the great king Agrippa. What a name, right? And here he is standing before the king, and he's got to give his testimony. The Bible says Paul knew he had to give his testimony as he's standing before here, before King Agrippa, and he begins to tell how the Lord changed his life and saved him, how he was on the road to Damascus, and God rescued him and delivered him. And he began to plead with Agrippa in a way to surrender his life and be transformed by the power of the gospel. And Agrippa looked back at Paul in a smug, proud way, and he said these famous words, to Paul, do you think that in such a short amount of time, you can persuade me to be a Christian? Do you think in such a short amount of time, Paul, just because you've told me a little story about what God did in your life, you can persuade me to be a Christian? The second thing that we marks a Christian, as you see here, what Paul did was that they became ambassadors of Christ, Paul not only wrote this later on in 2 Corinthians, but he demonstrated it here, was that he was an ambassador of Christ. And really the way that Paul's ministry ended up in the book of Acts, it was like he was an ambassador, like an actual ambassador. He was going to king, to king, to ruler, to ruler, and he was actually demonstrating what an ambassador does. And here he was before Agrippa trying to plead with him, and we see that a Christian was marked by being an ambassador of Christ. And thirdly, we see this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, if there was anyone to talk about what a Christian is, it was certainly this guy. All the lessons that Peter learned and all the things that he went through and discovered. And here was one who could be able to say, I know what a Christian is. In 1 Peter chapter 4, the Bible says this about Peter. He says, if any of you suffers as a Christian, don't consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear this name. So we see here in the Bible that a Christian is, they've been marked by a transformative community. They're ambassadors. They're evangelizing. They're doing the work of of God. And here they are, they're being beaten and persecuted and suffering as a Christian. And they're wondering, oh God, is this supposed to happen in our lives? Is this really the thing that you had planned for us? But Peter looks at them, one who well understood persecution himself and understood that if you bear This name. If you bear the name Christian, if that's the name on your life, it's not just a label. It's not just a title over your life. It's not just something you pull out when you're in a conversation with another Christian to try to prove a point. It's not just something that you just throw around here like it means nothing. He says this, Wear it in such a way that you glorify God because you bear this name. Whatever we're going through in life, make sure that you wear that title as if you are glorifying God in your life. So we see here that Christian throughout the Bible is something that was new. It was something that was growing. But the thing that marked them the most was the power of the gospel. They were transformed by the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. And they were bearing the gospel over their lives. And as a people who lived under the title of a Christian and who bear the name, it wasn't even something that they called themselves. It was what other people called them. But yet they gladly wore what it meant to be a Christian. All of that to say, before we get to the next part of this, to say that in a world that is wondering, what is a Christian? Wondering, what, am I, what, is, what does it mean to live this out? May we understand that scripture shows us that a Christian is someone who is transformed. Someone who preaches the gospel and someone who imitates Christ, who bears his name. And all of that to say that in our American church mentality, that in the world where just because you live in North America, you're a Christian, you'll see that that's the farthest thing from the Bible that there is to be. That to be a Christian for the early believers was a great responsibility it was the weight of glory as Paul would later call it it was a responsibility that meant so much to them so to really understand this Jesus gave us an example of what it meant to be a Christian and really he was the one who first brought it up to them and to really understand this word Christian it comes it's a Greek word that is really a, just a simple Greek word that you could read it just in Greek and knew what it meant christianos and it is simply meaning this a follower of Christ A follower of Christ. And in a day and age where we're following everything on social media, we have to kind of go back and understand, what does it mean to follow someone? What does it mean to actually say, I am a follower of Jesus? Or as some of the early believers were called, followers of the way. We're followers of Jesus. We're followers of the Son of God. What does it mean to be a follower? And Jesus made it plain, best, best. In his words in Matthew chapter 16. And this I want to read, and it's going to be up on the screen with you here. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with His angels in the glory of His Father. And then He will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. What is a follower of Christ? Jesus paints it plainly here before us. To follow means to go after in pursuit. Right? We see this on TV shows and we watch how there's this pursuit. Actually, I see it in the news all the time when I was living in California. These pursuits, I don't know, it's like a thing there. People always, there's like these police pursuits pursuing people down the highway. It's like daily in the news there. And it's this thing to Attentively follow after, to be right up on the tail, to keep going and pursuing, to make sure that we're staying in the path that someone has gone before us. And Jesus made it plain here that following Jesus means to associate with the way of Jesus. Following Jesus means to associate with the way of Jesus. That's meaning that whatever the way of Jesus before us, I will follow that way. So whatever Jesus says and does and leads before me, that makes sure that I imitate it in my life. And so when these early believers were living their life as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, it meant and it marked that they were being led by the one who transforms community, who calls them to be ambassadors, and who calls them to imitate them as they are in Christ. And Jesus, Paul said it this way, as I follow Christ, you follow me. Always pointing the attention back to Jesus, pointing back to this term that Jesus used and a term that is sometimes a little bit hard for us to understand in this context when he said to them, take up their cross and follow me. Take up their cross and follow me. Now here is where the rubber meets the road because you can tell a real Christian, you can tell when someone is a real Christian by label or by the way they live by this phrase right here. Take up their cross and follow me. Because a Christian by label only is not willing to take up their cross. A Christian by name alone is not willing to simply say, I'm going to give up everything and follow Jesus. But one who is practicing giving up their life for the cause of Christ, this is one that they will gladly do. So we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to take up our cross What does it mean to take up our cross and follow Jesus? How do I do that in my own life? What did Jesus even mean by this? And it's important to understand that when Jesus told his disciples this, if you want to become my followers, deny yourself and take up your cross, Jesus himself had not bore a cross yet to Golgotha. He had not even done that before them. And so we go back to even a little bit further in history. So what did it mean for them when they heard, take up your cross What it mean for the believers when Jesus said to them, take up their cross, the only thing that came to mind when the believers heard, take up their cross, the only image that came to their heart was death. And it wasn't death by pretty circumstances, it was excruciating, agonizing, it was painful, as we see in Jesus' own death. But death by a cross was something, a long and grueling process. As you go back and you've seen in history and you know that death on a cross was something that everyone saw publicly before everyone. Everyone was well aware that death on a cross, it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely Death. And so, for Jesus to look to them, to these disciples, think about it. here's these disciples. They're kind of new to all of this. They've just kind of started following Jesus only about three years, uh, maybe a little bit less. Here they are, and Jesus says, "Take up your cross." Think about how that hit them. Here they are. They've been following Jesus. It feels pretty good. We've got a we are the messiahs. But now he's telling us, "Take up our cross." They thought it in this way. Jesus, you're telling us to die. You're telling us to give up our lives. You're telling us to lay it all down. That's exactly what Jesus was calling them to do. To take up their cross and follow me in a world right now where everyone is trying to live for themselves. Taking up our cross is this. It is forsaking one ways, one's own way to pursue the way of Jesus. It is being willing to give up the path that I would want to live for my own life and say I want instead to follow Jesus. It isn't instead to say, I don't want to live in the will of my own life. I want to will live in the will of Jesus. And wherever Jesus goes, that I will stay closely to. And here is really the difference in the life of a believer today. Is the believer who is willing to say, yes, Lord, I am willing to take up my cross and follow you. Yes, Lord, I am willing to lay it all down and say, not my own life anymore, but your life before me. It is the person who says, if we're going to take up the cross and follow Jesus, then continually before us is the words of God that we're listening and obeying in our life. There is no other alternative. Listen, when someone takes up their cross, it isn't a choice to say, you know what, you know, I think I'll just maybe give up here. It's when you take up your cross, it's a way of commitment because you know the weight of the calling that God has put before us to say, I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my life. This is why Jesus goes on to say, for those who want to save their life, they're going to lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And what Jesus was doing was exchanging words. And he was saying, here, you're going to go and live your own life. And eventually, if you live in the way of your own life, the way of sin, it's going to lead to death. But if you'll give up your life and you'll lay down your life of sin and your life of following after our own selves, then you will find your own life. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Isn't this the story of so many people in our world? Striving after this thing or that thing, success in a company, success in the world, how can I better up my retirement, all of the plans for making a future up ahead, but forgetting all of this to remember that in eternity we don't take any of that with us. That eternity isn't measured by how much possessions that we accumulated, how much success and trophies and rewards we accumulated. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us it's about how much of that we were willing to lay down for the cause of Christ. And in a world of that is focused on success and selfishness, this is the true mark of a believer in our today, in our day. And a true mark of a Christian, as we see in Scripture, is one who is willing to say like Paul in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and he gave himself for me. You'll notice the language of Paul in that scripture. The life I now live, I used to live a life before, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that means that in this journey of taking up our cross, it won't always make sense. It won't always be clear. It won't always be plain before us. It's not always evident right in front of us. But when Jesus is leading us, and when we know we are following Him, then we have faith to say, Lord, where you lead me, I'll follow. Lord, where you take me, I'll just trust you. It may not seem like the path that I intended to go on in my life, but if that's where you're leading me, then so be it, Lord. Because not I, but Christ. Nevertheless, not what I want, Lord. But what do you want from my life? forsaking my own way to live in the way of Jesus. James said it this way, don't just be hearers of the word. He said, don't deceive yourselves and just hear the word, but be doers of the word. And he said it in this way, he said, it's like people who go and they look in a mirror and they walk away and they forget what they just saw. In other words, saying that when you and I, when we live this life as a believer, we hear a lot of things. There's a lot of Christians in our country. They hear a lot of sermons. They hear a lot of messages. But what would really happen if all of those sermons and all of those messages began to be put in action? And not just hearers, but doers. How it would change our world that you and I, we don't deceive ourselves. We don't just listen. It's great to listen to the Word of God. It's wonderful. We all need to do it. That's why we gather on Sunday morning. But the rubber meets the road when you and I say... Am I going to take up my cross and do it? Am I going to just not just hear it, but I'm actually going to live it. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I want to read to you that verse again in Galatians chapter 2. As we talk about taking up our cross today. I am crucified with Christ. Hear the words of Paul one who lived for his own way for many years. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, but Christ lives in me. And now this life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died. He he made an example. He died and he gave himself for me. One day when Jesus was talking to the disciples and they were having a conversation about following, and this was towards the end of Jesus's life before he was crucified, and here Peter is having a conversation with Jesus. And here they have been following Jesus for about three years, doing the work of God across the the place, preaching the gospel, seeing people delivered, sick people healed, all the wonderful things that they saw. But if you remember before all of that, before all of that journey happened, there they were, Peter, Andrew, his brother, they were out on their boats throwing nets, fishing, just trying to make a living. There Matthew was, being the detestable human being that he was, a tax collector, hated by all people, just doing what he knew to do, to make a living. There was all of them just living life, doing what they knew to do. But something captivated them when Jesus came along to them and said to them, follow me, follow me. It is some of the most underrated words in Scripture because it sounds so simple, but it is so entirely deep in meaning. That it is when Peter had to make a decision, Andrew had to make a decision, Matthew, Luke, all of them, they had to make a decision to say, am I willing to lay down what I know I've been doing all of my life? Throwing nets, taking taxes, being this thing, that thing, a doctor, a physician, all of those things. I'm willing to set it aside to say, no longer am I going to pursue the path that I had intended for my life. Now I'm going to pursue a path that God has for me. Here was Jesus. They barely knew him. But there was something about him that made it plain and clear that they could see him, that this is the Son of God made plain. And so they did just that. They threw down their nets. They laid down their stethoscope. They didn't have one, but pretend like he did. They had it all. They laid it down. We're going to follow you, Jesus. And here they go three years on a journey following Jesus, doing the work of God. And now they come towards the end of his ministry, and here they are in a conversation with Jesus. And Peter asked Jesus just plain. Peter wasn't afraid to just be direct. And he said, Jesus, Matthew 19, look, we have left everything and followed you. We've laid it all down. I left my nets. I had a good fishing business before all of this. I set it aside and I followed you. What then will we have? Oh, what the question that every believer should ask. Lord, I've laid it all down. What is it now? Where are you taking me in life? What is next? The question I've been praying for us this month. Lord, we're faithfully serving you, following you. What's next? What will we have now? And how Jesus just comes and encourages them. Truly, I say to you, speaking to the disciple, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of glory, and you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And notice this verse 29 And everyone who has left houses, the Bible says in Acts that they sold their houses. They gave up their possessions and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Everyone who's left their houses, their brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or fields. Jesus identifies that when following him, sometimes there's a cost. And sometimes that cost is leaving our possessions, leaving our family, leaving the things we love the most, and leaving our careers. And Jesus says, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And he goes on to say, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And in the world where we are stuck on now, stuck on what can I accumulate now, Jesus took their eyes off of all of the things in this world and he said, we have lovely families, we have lovely careers and lovely possessions and I know you left it all to follow me hear me, there is going to be a hundredfold blessing for you. There's going to be an eternity that you can't compare to even those things. It's going to be wonderful and great in all of its ways because I'll be there. The Son of God, seated on the throne, high and lifted up, a place called eternity. And to paint the picture is this, is that when you and I are willing to set aside and we count the costs and we know that we are laying things down, I want to remind you today that God is well aware of the cost. God is well aware of how much it takes out of us to say, I'm willing to set it all aside. Lord, I wanted to do this thing with my life. It was the passion of my soul, but now I sense you're calling me to do this, but I'm going to lay that aside and follow you. Lord, I know I wanted to do this thing with my life. I wanted to be more dedicated to some friend, but God, I just feel you're calling me in a different direction and I need to follow you. God is well aware of the cost. And God promises to honor the cost. And God promises to bless those who truly lay down it all and take up their cross and follow him. And not only that, it's a hundredfold blessing and it's eternal life. And Jesus makes it plain. There is nothing worth comparing to eternity. There's nothing worth comparing to eternal life. Will you stand with me this morning? All of that to say, what is a Christian? I hope it's plain today. A Christian is a follower of Jesus. And if a follower of Jesus is transformed by the power of the gospel, and if a follower of Jesus is one who stands up and preaches and say, there was a Jesus who died for me and rose again, if a follower of Jesus is one who is willing to be imitating Christ and following his actions and model that he gave for us, if a follower of Jesus is one to say that he is the Son of God, he's my King, and I'll gladly serve him, if that's a Christian, then I'll gladly be that thing. All other meanings, let it fall aside today. All other definitions. I know our culture has a million different definitions for a Christian. But may we be reminded today that a Christian is truly marked by Jesus. Being with Jesus. Following Jesus. Serving Jesus. Loving Jesus every day. Being attentive to His path. Going back to that definition we said earlier. To go after in pursuit. And this year I want to encourage you to be a Christian. Not a Christian according to our world. Not a Christian according to our country. A Christian according to Scripture. To say, Lord, I will gladly take up my cross and follow you. I will gladly pay the cost. I will gladly know that I want to follow you with all of my life. Not I this year, Lord. Let myself be put aside. Not I, but Christ. This year I'm not going to live in my own means. I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. And so can we just all pray today, all together here this morning, that God would help us to live as followers of Jesus this year, to just be attentive to his path. Lord, lead us this year. We're gonna follow you. Wherever you go, Lord, lead us. Father, this morning, we come before you today as a church of Christians, a church of people who are following you. And Lord, we say to you, Jesus, we wanna take up our cross. Father, we repent today, Lord, We repent, Lord, when we have taken up our own efforts. We've taken up our own goals and careers in life and haven't pursued how you would have us to live. We've taken up our own will and laid aside your will. But Lord, today we repent, Father, and we say today, God, may we take up our cross. Lord, may we take up our cross gladly and follow you with all of our heart this year, Lord. God, help us to be marked by a transformative community, Lord. Lord, how the early believers were called Christians. Let those things happen here, Lord. The power of the gospel came. People were added to them daily. The gospel continued to be preached. Lord, all of those things that those Christians experienced, Lord, let it mark our church here this year, Lord. Lord, we want to follow you, Father. Nothing else. Lay all us other aside, Lord. We want to follow you this year, Lord. Lord, we pray today, God, that you would help us to live by faith this year in the Son of God, Lord. God, wherever you take us this year, Lord, may we not question it, but may we just simply respond with a yes. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you there. Lord, whatever you cause us to speak this year and put in our heart to say, Lord, may we gladly not debate you, not question you, but may we just say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. All of this to say, God, this year, Lord, as we are living for you, as we are serving you, Lord, may we do it by taking up our cross, the death of ourselves, Lord, and the life of Jesus living in us. That that same power that rose Christ from the grave now may live in us the resurrection power of Jesus, helping us to live fully in your power this year, Lord. We pray, empower us, Lord, to live for Jesus this year. None other, Lord, this year, only you. So, Lord, we wanna follow you. We wanna follow you. We wanna follow you. As the choir comes, You wanna pray this morning to follow Jesus. Maybe you just need a new, fresh commitment this year. Lord, I am sorry. I have taken up some other cross, not your cross. I have taken up some other thing in life, my own will. I have gone about my own way. Lord, I wanna come to you and take up your cross, Lord, and follow you. I wanna follow you with all of my heart. I wanna be willing to lay it all aside. Maybe you're like that rich young ruler the Bible said came to Jesus, wasn't willing to do what Jesus said, and he went away and he missed out on the joys of following Jesus. Oh, how so many times God calls us to lay aside some weights so that we might follow Him with all of our heart. Don't let anything keep you this year from following Jesus with everything you've got. Just follow Him. Just trust Him this year. Just trust Him this year. As the choir sings. need prayer, feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. You want to pray where you're at. Let's sing this morning. We're going to follow Jesus this year.